0: How many are ready for the new year? Are you ready? Well, if you're not, you better get ready. Uh, 12-31-23. If if you put those all together, you know what today is? It's 1-2-3-1-2-3. Did you know that? 1-2-3-1-2-3. I heard this week there has been a rush of people all over the country trying to get marriage licenses for this week so they could get married today. So, there are a lot of weddings happening all over the country today. And I guess what they say is it's the mother in law to be telling her daughter, if you want him to remember your anniversary, you better do it today. One, two, three, one, two, three. And of course, as we look into this new year, some of us are making resolutions, making plans for how we want the new year to be different. Some of you are very optimistic about the new year, and because you're so optimistic, you're going to stay up till midnight because you can't wait for the new year to get here. Some of you are pessimistic, and you're going to stay up till midnight just to make sure the old year leaves and gets out of here. But whichever boat you're in, we're glad you're here celebrating with us today. Uh, Today, we're not going to talk about New Year's resolutions, but I want to launch into an introduction to where the Bridge Church is going this next year, at least to launch the new year, some things that we really feel like God has dropped in our hearts. We want to focus in the first few weeks of this next year on being devoted to the things that are gonna make life better. Devoted to things that are gonna make life better. We're gonna be teaching on that throughout the month of January. And to launch into it, today I'm going to talk to you from the title, Into the Deep. Into the Deep. Open your Bibles to Luke 5. If you don't have a Bible with you and you can't access it, uh, we'll have the verses on the screen. But Luke chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the first thing I want to talk to you about today is two different kinds of relationships with God. Two different relationships with God. So look at verse number one of Luke five. So it was as the multitude, a crowd of people pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now I want you to picture the scene with me. Jesus is teaching a crowd of people, and it just gets growing and growing, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and he's there on the shore, actually, of the Sea of Galilee, as we would think of it today. So he's there on the shore, this crowd is gathering, and he's trying to project his voice and teach to this multitude of people. Verse 2, Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Again, part of the picture. The men who use these boats for their livelihood, for fishing. They'd been fishing, they'd stopped fishing, and now they're cleaning up the nets. It's the last thing you do before you leave so you can go home and rest and eat. You clean the nets so they're ready to go for the next time you go fishing. Verse three. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. One quick pause. When it says Simon, it's referring to Simon who later on by Jesus would be called Peter. So he's the man that we would often think of in the New Testament as Peter, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, the apostle Peter. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and he asked Peter to put out just a little from the land. Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. All right, we've painted a little bit of a scene, but I want you to understand what's happening. As Jesus is projecting to this crowd, teaching them, he realizes if I get on that boat and just push out a little bit, it becomes my platform to teach these people and my voice will carry across this few feet of water and as the people sit up on the hillside around the lake, it becomes a natural amphitheater. So Jesus says, Peter, I want to use your boat. When I get in the boat, would you push it out just a little bit in this shallow water so I can preach from this platform and your boat becomes my pulpit. So Peter says, okay. But I want to talk to you today, first of all, about a relationship of convenience with God. The first kind of relationship you can have is a relationship of convenience, It's where, well, yeah, Jesus, if you need my boat and I'm not busy using it, I'm doing something else, sure you can use it. Yeah, if you want to push it out in the shallow water, there, no big deal. I'll push it out, drop the anchor, you won't go anywhere. It's convenient, it's easy, no big deal. It's amazing how many people want a relationship with God that is a shallow water relationship. Now, what do we know about shallow water? I'm not being critical today. I'm just telling you a fact. I've been doing this a long time. I deal with a lot of people. What do we know about shallow water? Well, in shallow water, usually you can see the, the sand, the bottom, down through the water. Now, I'm not talking about our beaches, because our beaches here can get pretty murky. But in a lot of lakes, and a lot of water, when you step out into the first few inches and maybe even the first few feet of depth of the water, you can still see bottom. So when you see bottom, then you can also see your feet standing on the bottom. You see what's down there. You can wiggle your toes down in the sand. You can get a good grip. And if there's anything moving around down there, you can see it. So it's convenient. It's easy. It doesn't take a lot of faith to stand in shallow water because you have a sense of security and a sense of control. And when I'm in control, I feel good about things. So you see... Peter and Jesus have this relationship right now of convenience. It's not stretching, Peter. It's easy. It's no big deal. It's not interrupting his life. It's all fine. It's all good. And Peter says, Jesus, you can use my boat as long as it's not interfering with my plans for life. But then there's also a different kind of relationship. It goes beyond a relationship that is convenient. It's really a relationship of trust. Look at verse number four. When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter, I'm finished with your boat. Now, get back in the boat and take it out into the deep water and let your nets down. Verse 5, but Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master. Notice he calls him Master. In the original writings, what he's really saying is someone who's appointed by God to teach. He's calling him a Master Teacher. Simon Peter says, Master, Teacher, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net you see Peter's life is about to change he's already had some interaction with Jesus if you go back and put the Gospels together he knew a little bit about Jesus he'd heard some of his teaching he'd even seen some of the great things that Jesus did maybe even saw some miracles but he's still holding Jesus as a teacher that God sent to teach people things are about to change Because his relationship with Jesus is about to move from convenience and control to total trust in God. You see, in a relationship of convenience, Peter can call him teacher. But a relationship of trust says, I will follow you to new unknown places and I will learn and experience new things. Can I just pause for a moment this morning and tell you? that God always wants us to continually be experiencing and learning new things in Him. There's a better life than the shallow water life where we are in control and we don't have to trust anybody for anything, where we just let the world go by and say, well, whatever happens, happens. It's God's will. doesn't make any difference what I think, what I believe. It's different than having a life of faith and trust that says, God, I'm going to take you at your word, follow your instructions, and see what you will do in my life. It's a life of adventure when we enter into this life of trust. So let's look at what Jesus said to Peter. Two things. Number one, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. Now, first of all, for Peter, launching out into the deep was work. Okay, he's a fisherman. And to launch out into the deep, he doesn't have motor boats. And if you've ever been there, the Sea of Galilee is a pretty good sized lake. So Peter looks at Jesus, and the first thing he thinks is, Man, it's work. It's work getting out there. I gotta row that boat all the way back out there. I gotta get my guys in the boat, and we gotta row and move on out there. It's work to go back out there. So let me talk to you for a minute about what Jesus has asked Peter to do. Peter row out, launch out into the deep water. What do we know about the deep? You can't see the bottom. You don't have your feet on the bottom. It's over your head. If you're in the water, you're trying to paddle to stay on top of it. Your feet are not secured. You don't know what's down in the depths of the water. And you lose your sense of control in safety now I've been out on our ocean a number of times in a boat I fished out there I've been on excursions out there I've been on a cruise I've been in deep water and can I just tell you I prefer to stay in the boat that's just my preference I have a close friend a pastor friend he loves to free dive he loves to spearfish. He jumps out of a boat without a tank of air, dives down, stays under for 30 seconds to a minute, sometimes more, spears fish for food, or dives at night for lobsters. I've been out with him at night, fishing around the islands outside of Long Beach in that area, and we drop him off at night, and he goes diving deep down into the water while we drive the boat around the islands and fish, and we'll go back in 45 minutes at agreed time and meet him and pick him up. And he asked me one time, hey, are you interested in learning to do this? And my first thought was, well, do I look stupid? (laughs) No, I have no. Now, I know some of you may do that, but the way I'm wired, I'll stay in the boat, okay? I don't want to be down in that deep, murky water because I don't know what's down there. Now, let's be honest. Why are we afraid of the deep? Most of us would be. Why are we afraid of the deep? Well, in general... The deep is a place of mystery. Deep water is mysterious. You just don't know what's down there. My friend told me, he said, man, there have been a couple of times we've been out diving. You've been laying down in the kelp beds holding our breath, kind of waiting to see if a big fish would swim by. And all of a sudden, here comes a great big shark swim right by you, circles around you, looking you over real good, sniffing you. And again, I thought, why in the world would anybody want to do that? I don't want to know what's down there in that deep water. I want to stay in the boat in general the deep is a place of mystery but it's also a place of profundity you see some pretty profound amazing things down in that deep water things you wouldn't see anywhere else and you experience things in that deep water that you would not experience anything else have you ever watched one of those National Geographic shows where they show this uh, exploring, exploration submarine that goes way, way, way down deep, deep, deep in a sea or an ocean and they see things down there in the darkness you would never imagine lived down there. But that's, that's what the deep is. It's mysterious, but it's also profound. And the second thing that Jesus said to Peter was launch out into the deep and then let down your nets for a catch. Well this is more work. It's bad enough to row out to the deep water. And then Jesus says let those heavy nets down. They're already wet. We just got them clean. Now he wants us to drop them down again. It's so much work to drop them down. And then to pull them back up. But it's unknown. Jesus says drop them down. And you're going to catch something when you do. I want to look at what Peter says to Jesus. I think a lot of us, probably most of us, can identify with Peter. If you read the story of the life of Peter, a lot of us see ourselves in his life. But first of all, you got to remember, fishing is not a hobby for Peter. It's his business. It's his livelihood. You see, I like to fish. Well, let me be honest. I like to catch fish. If the fish aren't biting, let's pack up and go home. I have no joy sitting in the boat all day or standing on the bank doing it over and over again. If the fish aren't biting, I don't want fish. But I like to catch fish. But for Peter, it's not a hobby. It's his life. He does this to feed his family. He does this to pay his bills. And if he catches no fish, he has no money. He has no provision. Peter looks at Jesus Thinks about what Jesus has said, and he says, we have fished all night and caught nothing. Have you ever been through a season in life where it seemed like you just weren't catching anything? Nothing was going right. Things kept coming up empty, and you wonder, what in the world am I gonna do? It's one of those moments for Peter. It's exasperation. It's Man, we fish all night. Why did he fish all night? Because he needed it. It wasn't for fun, it wasn't a hobby, it was his work. We fished all night, we've caught nothing. Zach refers to this every now and then in his teaching. It's almost like Peter's thinking, you're a great teacher, but I'm the fisherman, not you. Did you ever go fishing with the real fisherman? When you're catching nothing, he's just pulling them in because he knows how. See, Peter's saying, Jesus... You're a great teacher. I even heard you're a pretty good carpenter. You know how to make a boat, but you know what? You don't know how to catch fish. I know how to catch fish. But then he says to Jesus, nevertheless, nevertheless, even though I don't understand, I will follow your instructions. Even though it makes no sense to me, I will do what you tell me to do. And this is where the relationship of trust begins. When I respond to God's instructions and I go into the deep, even though it's work, and I lower down my nets, even though it's work, that's where this relationship begins to change to a relationship of trust. Which brings me to the question, am I willing to go to new deep places with God? Ask yourself, am I willing to go to new deep places with God? Even if it takes some effort, even if it's mysterious, am I willing to go Into the deep? Let's come back to the deep again, because I want to talk a little bit more about that. From a spiritual aspect. I said that the deep is mysterious, but it's also profound. It's so rich. In the New Testament, most of the time, when you see the word mystery, it literally means hidden truths. Hidden truths. A lot of God's truths are hidden truths. A lot of what we look for from God is mysterious to us. It's not that God doesn't want us to find it. It just takes some work to get there to learn those things. Let me show this to you. Jesus one day made the statement, you find it in Mark chapter four, verse 11. Jesus said the kingdom of God is mysterious. The way God's kingdom works, it's mysterious. And and some of you have never been taught this, but Jesus was asked, why do you teach in parables? Well, we always hear, well, Jesus used parables to make things clear to people. Jesus said, I use parables to hide the truth from those who don't want to know the truth and really don't have a heart for the truth. He said, once you understand the truth, the parable of it makes more sense. It helps you remember it. But what jesus said was many of the truths you need to navigate life in god's kingdom they're hidden truths but god wants you to learn those truths here's what the apostle paul said in his writings he said our relationship with god is mysterious see everybody's relationship with god is different why because it's a mystery you work it out with god and he works it out with you and he works differently in other people's lives not only that Paul said the whole idea and the concept of church being called out of darkness into life for God's eternal purposes, those are mysterious. Paul said God's will is mysterious. Some of us say, Well, I wish I knew what God was up to, it's a mystery. It's a mystery, but it's not a mystery he hides to keep it away from you. It's a mystery he hides so that you will seek it and find it and walk it out in faith. It's a mystery, but he wants to open it to you. Paul also said God's wisdom is mysterious. Did you ever notice God doesn't think the way everybody else thinks? He's mysterious sometimes. I've said this before, but when I'm praying for something the way my mind works, I can figure out 15 ways for God to take care of my need. And God does it a 16th way because his ways are mysterious. That's just how God is. Not only that, Paul talked about dying and leaving this body. He says, if you're a child of God, when you leave this place, God has a new place prepared for you. But he said, it's a mystery. We walk it out by faith, not by sight. It's deeper water than we can understand right now. And if you... Go to the last book of the Bible. Anybody ever read the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ? If I were to ask for commentary on it today, I'd get at least five different opinions on what it says. Because it's mysterious. You see, a lot of what God does, it's mysterious to the natural man. But in the New Testament, Paul wrote and said, God reveals these things to us by his Holy Spirit. So if we walk with God and go to deep places and let down our nets... He will reveal things to us that we need to know for our own lives. Can I take a 10 second time out? If, if not, this doesn't go against me, so I get 10 seconds at the end, okay? <laughs> Nick, you've got good plans. They're plans from God, but there's purpose in your plans you haven't seen yet. But they're coming. They're coming. And when we walk into new places, when we go places not exactly sure what and why, when we walk these things out by faith, suddenly it begins to reveal itself and we see God's hand at work. But if we never go to deep places, we never learn those lessons and never see those things happen. God's calling us to a deeper life. You see, these mysteries these hidden truths are not to be feared they're to be investigated and explored and lived, so that we can see God's hand at work in our lives God wants us to explore those mysteries Ephesians 3 Paul said man I want you to get so lost in God that you find out everything about his love the height the depth the width the breath, all of it. I want you to explore all of God's goodness and all of God's love. But you can't do it in the shallow water. you got to launch out in the deep to get there. you got to trust God. So how do I go into the deep? How do I go into the deep? How do I lower my nets? Going into the deep, there's work. Dropping down your nets and pulling them up, it's work. So let me talk to you for a couple of minutes about the spiritual aspect of going into the deep, dropping your net and pulling it up. We have made a big mistake at least all of my lifetime, most of my lifetime. The church has made a major mistake. We as church leaders have made a major mistake because we have made spending time with God a task. You got to do devotions, you got to pray, you got to read your Bible. If not, God's going to be upset with you. That's not true. If I don't spend time with God, God's not going to be angry at me. It just keeps me out of the deep water where the blessings of God are. And so we say, well, you got to spend at least one hour praying and you got to spend at least time to read five chapters. If you don't read at least five chapters a day, you're failing. That's not scriptural, friend god works in our lives the way we're all wired god speaks to us the way we're all wired let me explain this to you i'm very human most of you who have been around me know this i'm spiritual but i'm very human but the way i'm wired i don't want to talk to anybody for an hour about 10 15 minutes i am done you might go on but i might not know anything else you say that's just how i'm wired My wife has more words than me, and sometimes she gets frustrated because she says, look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm trying to tell you something. I can listen while I'm watching the game. Go ahead and keep going. It's the difference in the way we're wired. And you see, when God speaks something to me, he doesn't take an hour. He just bam, bam, bam. I talk fast. He talks fast. I hear him. I understand. And I just act on what he says. My relationship with God has developed that way because that's how I'm wired. But we've made devotion, spending time with God. Oh, it's something you gotta do or God's gonna be upset. You're not a good Christian if you don't. Let me tell you something. If you wanna go to deep water and you wanna find more of God and more of his blessings, spend time with God. And God will speak to you the way you're wired. Quit making it work and let it be a pleasure. That's God's will for us. It just is. So for me, when I read those verses... Launch out into the deep. You know where the deep is for me? Most days, it's sitting in my easy chair early in the morning with my Bible and a cup of coffee. And as I read, I learn things. I have things reinforced. And every now and then, God will grab something off that page and make it come so alive that he says, you need to get this working in your life right now. You need to do this. You need to do this. And I'll respond to it. And I'll bring blessing to it. That's how God and I work. That's how it's developed. Everybody's wired differently and needs God to speak to us differently. But that's how it works with me. The deep for me is that early morning time of God, most of the time. Sometimes it happens during worship. Sometimes I'm driving down the road and just quietly praying, all of a sudden, man, God just drops something in my heart. But it's developed through the years because I, I choose to live in deep waters. How do I let down my net? For me, it's reading my Bible. It's thinking about what's written. It's praying, saying, God, help me understand the things that I need to see here. Things, hidden truths that might be hidden between the lines. Help me understand that. And I'm going to tell you something. When you do that, the Holy Spirit begins to show you things, connect other scriptures, and let you understand God in a different way. Not that he's different, not that he's not what he's advertised to be, not that he's not what his word says, it's just you learn more about God because our minds and our beings can never contain all that God is. We just learn more. So for me, when I spend that time and I start thinking and then I start praying, which simply means I talk to God and I listen. I talk for a little bit, I don't talk a long time, I just tell him what's on my heart and I listen and if he has something to say, he'll show me, he'll speak to me. And it's a delightful time. It's not something I have to do. It's something that fuels my life because it leads me into the deep water. You say, well, what happens if you go into the deep? Do I become a pastor? Hopefully not. (laughs) If God God didn't call you to do this, stay away from it, okay? It'll, It'll kill you if you're not called to it. It'll destroy you, I'm telling you. But what happens is when you go into the deep, you will find everything you need for that day and more. Now I'm going to show it to you here. Verse number 6, in the same chapter, Luke 5, verse 6. The story continues. So when they had done this, they launched out into the deep, let down their nets. They caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to to sink how many of you would say boy i would like to see god get in my business where the boat got so full we couldn't contain anymore wouldn't that be nice it only happens in deep water think about it it doesn't happen in shallow water it happens in the deep water when god leads you there now look at verse number eight when simon peter saw it he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for, and I'll get to that in just a minute. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. What is Peter saying here? It's like, going me cut all these fish, get out of here and get away from me. That's not what he's saying. But here's the thing. Peter learned that God was concerned with the welfare and the well-being of every area of his life. He needed fish. He fished all night. He needed to take care of his family. He needed to pay his taxes. How many can say hallelujah for that? He needed to take care of all this stuff. And he found that Jesus would get into his boat, into his business, if he'd let Jesus use his boat for his business. And if he would obey God and go out into deep waters and let down his net, Jesus would give him not just enough to get by one more day. He would give him a catch so that there was plenty left over to be a blessing to other people. He didn't know that until that time. And Peter's relationship with Jesus moved from convenience, where he called him master teacher, To this place of trust where he says, you are my Lord. You are supreme in authority. There's nobody above you. You are the controller of everything. You are God and I will follow you and worship you only. It changed his heart. He learned that God had better instructions for him than he had for himself. And God had better plans for him than he had for himself. He learned it. You see, there's a a difference between trying God... Trying God is shallow water Christianity. Trusting God is deep water Christianity. You don't just try God, you trust God. And God will be God. And this is what faith is really all about. Sincere faith cannot be limited to an I believe in God experience. That's shallow. Real faith goes into the deep and understands that faith is what you live every single day in every single situation of life. And the deeper you go, the bigger God gets and the more you know and learn and understand of him. And you come to this place where you don't live in fear and you don't live in panic because you know as long as you're following his instructions, he's going to show up. And when you have to have a miracle, he'll provide that miracle. That's just the nature of God. That's his nature. That's who he is. That's what he is. True faith is to be lived daily in deep water, not shallow water. When I move beyond my control, and I let him have control of my life. One more verse. Verse 11. Skip down to verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. When it says they followed Jesus, it means they decided they wanted to be in the same road, the same path, the same way of life that Jesus was walking. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means get real close to him and just go where he goes. Listen to his instructions, follow his instructions, and let him be God. If you really want to know God, launch out into the deep. As I close this message today, I want to tell a story. I know, I know that I know that I know. There are people sitting in this room who said, well, man, I I tried this thing of doing devotions. And I tried this thing of reading my Bible more. And I I tried to pray, but man, it just, it just, I struggled and I, I gave up on it. It happens all the time. It's hard to talk to somebody you can't see. It's hard to to talk to someone that you don't always hear speaking back to you. It's tough. It takes some work. Let me tell you a story. I have a good friend, a minister friend, he's been here on several occasions. He told me a story, he he preached in a small town in a smaller church in the middle of the United States. There was a, a man in the church who was a younger man. He had a family, he had a wife. Owned a business and the business was doing okay. He was taking care of his family. But he got to the place where he was making enough money that on his days off he'd go fishing. He loved to fish, it was a hobby, it was fun. And he kept learning and learning and getting better and better. And he got his bass boat and he'd go out on his days off and fish, catch fish. Then he started fishing bass tournaments. And he won a couple of local bass tournaments. It was a hobby, it wasn't his life, it was a hobby. He loved it. And because he won a couple of tournaments, they called him up one day and said, hey, you've won these two tournaments, you are now qualified to be in the Bass Masters Classic down in Florida, the national big deal tournament. I think the main prize was like a million bucks. You've now qualified for this. He thought, wow, that's cool. So he got everything ready, got it all lined up, went to Florida. Before he went, the Lord spoke to him. They gotta get this. This guy has recently really committed his life to God. He's all in, he's following God. He's living deep water faith. God speaks to him because in that small community, there was a lot of problem with the teenagers. They were getting into all kinds of problems. It was really bad. Their church built a large youth center with the gymnasium and other things, made the church really nice, built the gymnasium, trying to attract the youth, and they begin to have a lot of success ministering to young people, getting them off the streets. But they had to borrow a lot of money to do it. The Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to go to Florida, and I'm going to help you win that fishing classic. You're going to win the Bassmasters, but when you do, you're going to come home and pay off the church. Now, some of you would say, well, I ain't going then. But he said, okay, you help me win, I'll come home and pay off the church. He goes to Florida and they have the first couple of days of qualification. He's catching nothing. I mean, nothing. And he's realizing as the day, second day is closing, he's realizing I must've missed it somewhere because I'm not gonna qualify. I don't hardly have any fish. They're just little. And he had one hour until he had to be at the dock to weigh in He had a 40-minute boat ride, so he's got 20 minutes left in his day. And he got so discouraged, he said, God, I'm sorry. I made a fool of myself. I thought you said this. I didn't tell anybody about my wife and my pastor, but I don't know. I missed it somewhere. And God spoke to him so clearly, and God said, cast out one more time. So he threw out one last time, thinking, I got to head in. And when he threw that lure and started reeling, bam, he brought in a six-pound bass. And then he threw two or three more times and brought in more fish. And all of a sudden, he was excited. He had just enough time to get to the dock. He ran in, and he barely qualified for the finals. The last two days of that tournament, he caught so much fish that he won the Bassmasters Classic. Won a million-dollar prize. Went home, paid off his church. Never won another fishing tournament ever. But his business began to boom and today he's financially secure because he made a big commitment to god and he said i'm not going to stay in the shallow water i'm going to get into the deep waters some of you saying you know i I tried that once and it didn't really seem to work for me so i gave up can i tell you something today cast one more time go find that deep water get alone with god open up the book open up your heart let god begin to lead you day by day Trust him, trust him. See what he'll do in your life. Because I'm gonna tell you something, everything you need in life, God's got that and more. If you'll trust him. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads this morning. I wanna close with prayer. And I'm gonna pray two prayers. Number one, maybe you're here and you've never committed your life to God. I'm gonna pray a prayer and help you in your heart make that commitment today. The second part of this prayer, I wanna pray for everyone in this room. Here's why. As I preach this message, the Spirit of God is personalizing this for everyone in this room because we all need to hear it differently. First of all, God's probably talking to some of us about what's keeping us in the shallow water. And then second of all, God may be giving us some instructions saying, this is what you do next. And we're struggling saying, well, I don't know that that's deep water. I've never been there. I don't know what's down there. Maybe we're afraid to take steps of faith. But I'm going to pray right now that God will open up our hearts to follow his instruction today. Bow your heads if you would, please. Father, we come to you today and we need you. We need your saving grace. Father, we realize we've failed, we've sinned, we've walked away from you. But today, I know there are people hearing this message and in their hearts, they're realizing it's time for me to make peace with God. Father, we concess, confess to you we're lost in our sins and we need a Savior. I pray right now that Jesus Christ could be embraced as our Savior and we'd learn to make him the Lord of our lives. We believe. We believe today. We trust you today. We give our lives back to you. And Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would begin to teach us your ways. Teach us how to walk in deeper water and see you do great things in our lives. We commit our lives totally, completely to you today. You become Savior and Lord of our lives today then father i pray a second prayer over every person in this room first of all i pray that you would free us from the things that keep us in shallow water you would give us faith and a heart to launch out into deep places even though it's work and let down our nets even though it's work and pull up the things that you have for us God, I pray as people get along with you that you would fill their nets, that they would pull it up and they would see you working and they'd begin to understand you're concerned about every single area and every area of their life, the welfare of that area of their life. God, you bring us to a place of trust in you where we'd follow you day by day by day after you and we wouldn't want nothing else but to be surrendered to you. God, bring us into that relationship. Bless our lives, I pray in Jesus name amen amen very last thing if you prayed that first prayer today and maybe you've never known the Lord maybe you've just been on the run but today you realize I want to follow Jesus that prayer is just the beginning of the journey it's not the end we want to help you on your journey we want to help get you started We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. We want to put it in your hands. It's simple reading to help you understand more of God's love for you, His plan for your life. We want to give it to you. So, two things. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams at the front of our building. They're just everyday normal people like you and me, but they're here to pray prayers of faith. If you just walk up to one of those teams and say, Can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached if you've got questions they can answer questions if you want prayer for something else they'll pray with you as well if you just want to get it and go that's fine we want to help you get started walking with god if you're in a big rush you want to get out the back door as quickly as possible out in the lobby right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit there's a counter set up there it's got a sign that says the next seven days you can stop by there they got the same booklet there just ask for the booklet they'll give it to you no strings attached we want to help you start your relationship with god God bless you today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you.
1: Does anybody feel challenged today? Can we just give it up and thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? Before we conclude today, we want to share a couple things with all of you, our church family, that are very, very important. You know, with today being the last day of the year, We've already been making our plans for next year and how we can engage with you and collectively together as a church family, go deeper. For the last several months, we've really had it in our heart. We know that you know many, many people, most of you probably, you spend time with God in your own way, in the word of God, maybe use some, some sort of devotional tools. But we've had it in our heart that next year as a church together, we would read through scripture. And so we are excited to let you guys know that starting tomorrow, it's actually up right now on the Bridge app and on our website, We have a 52-week reading plan that we want to encourage everybody here at the Bridge Church to jump in and let's read through Scripture together as a church family. You might have other devotional tools, other readings that you regularly go to. I do myself, but I'm going to make this the central thing for me and my Scripture reading in the year ahead. And I'll, of course, supplement some other things in when I want to, but we're excited about this, and we want to encourage everybody that calls the Bridge home to jump into our reading plan next year at the church. So check it out. You can go to our website, just click on the menu, and you can click further down on the Bible reading plan, and then you can also go to the Bridge app, and you'll see the weekly readings. This is a -a five-day-a-week reading plan, and the reason we did it five days a week is because we want to give everybody the opportunity to catch up and have some extra time if you were to miss a day or something like that. This isn't legalism. This is the idea of getting to spend quality time With God. So it's a five day a week reading plan. Again, it's available right now on the Bridge app or on our website. Not only that, but my wife and I, we're the kind of people that like to use a physical Bible. We're not really digital readers. So what you can also do there is you can download the PDF of the entire year's readings. You can print it out, put it right there in your Bible, and know where you're going next. And from week to week, we'll keep you posted on the regular readings as a part of this plan. So hey, let's go deeper in the year ahead. Let's go deeper into the Word of God and let's grow in our faith together. Amen. Awesome. Not only that, I want to share one other thing. You know, I was looking around when we came in this morning, and it's still so beautiful up here, and it still looks like Christmas Eve. Today's New Year's Eve, obviously, but I just want to say, Bridge family, we really challenged you guys, you know, this December... We kind of came at your heart and said, hey, we really want to encourage people to bring people, invite people, pray for people to be here in the house on Christmas Eve. And you guys, it was amazing some of the stories that we heard of stuff that God did in people's lives and in people's family. I want to tell you guys, we had over 4,000 people come through our doors on Christmas Eve this year. And we know, we know that God did amazing things, planted great seeds in people's hearts I had somebody tell me a story the other day. They said we were standing out by the Christmas trees in the foyer after one of the services, just walking up to people and saying, hey, can we take a picture of you and your family? Because it looks like that's what they were trying to do. And this one woman said, well, hold on. There's about 18 of us here. Is that okay? And man, you guys were amazing the way that you brought people and invited people, the way that people responded to God and the gospel message at Christmas time. Good on you, Bridge family. Way to go. We are so proud to be your pastors, to get to serve alongside you guys. Hey, for everybody that served, there were so many people that gave almost their entire Christmas Eve to be here serving that day. God did awesome things, and your reward is in heaven for all that he did. Thank you so much for serving. Thank you to everybody that made it an incredible weekend last weekend. But hey, today is New Year's Eve. God bless you. Happy New Year. We hope 2024 is your best year. We are looking forward to spending next weekend with you. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.